What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my two co-hosts, Vito Inazelli and Michael Nowen. We have another great show for you, but before that, please take a moment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at the SLStreamers underscore pod. Guys, we have a lot to cover. We've obviously missed a few weeks here, so we do apologize. Um, let's just hop right into the news and notes from around the world. Uh, we have some Champions League action going on currently. We had the first leg of the Man City Real game. Absolute shell shock. It was an amazing game to watch. Man City probably could have dropped 10 goals in it. Uh, Real ended up losing 4-3 to them. Away at City, honestly, not a horrible result. You put up three away goals. One goal differential heading to the home leg. What's your guys' take? Um, I mean, I don't know if I'm more impressed with Manchester City almost scoring 10 goals <laughs> or Real Madrid <laughs> battling back every time they were down by two goals. Um, I, I mean, it was a hell of a game. Um, City, are, I was kind of thinking this, like they might come back to rue these types of chances because – I kind of get the feeling like this is one of those classic examples of like you have your chance to kill this team and this is going to be that scenario that it just comes back and bites you in the ass. Um, playing at the Bernabeu is another, another like obviously huge task. It's something that Pep is obviously pretty akin to after par- coaching at Barcelona. So I think he'll be pretty prepared for that crowd, what they're going to be expecting. But um, yeah, I mean, the goals in that game too, some of them just unbelievable <laughs> from City side from the one Vinicius scored where he just totally burned Fernandinho with the Meg. Oh my God. Um, it was, it was unbelievable. Phenomenal game to watch. Yeah. I think you hit it right on the head in, in terms of uh, the, ruining the missed chances. I mean, I, I think I'm more impressed with Real Madrid continuously fighting back. I mean, clearly no disrespect to Villarreal, but this was definitely the harder part of the two legs to get through um, and to go down 2-0 and what the opening 15 minutes, maybe even if that. Yeah, um, I think it was sooner. Yeah, and, and to bring it back. And then 3-1 down to bring it back again and, and keep it moving like that. Um, City City should have been up maybe, honestly, could have been up four goals before Real got there first. I, I know Mares had an opportunity where he could have squared Foden, did not, and then mm-hmm. Foden had a similar opportunity shortly after. Um, Pep was livid on the sidelines, and, you know, rightly so. So this is if, – if, if City don't go through, I think they're definitely going to – resent the first 25 minutes of that match where they could have sealed up the entire tie um, at that point. But when you got big Ben's chip and Penanka's after <laughs> missing two the weekend before, I mean, <laughs> that takes a sack possible. Right there, On a side note, that guy can't stop scoring. Do you think he gets the Ballon d'Or this year? Like if, even if like they don't win the champions, League, not if city or... win the champions league, I think it's because city are obviously in pole position for the premier league and are, at this point have to be considered, you know, somewhat favorites to win the, the Champions League. Obviously, Liverpool are going to contest that. But if they do, I think you see KDB get it. Really? Yeah. Wow. I think winning the Premier League, winning the Champions League, the season he's having, the performance he puts in week in, week out. Um, even, you know, he's a playmaker and he's still scoring vital, vital goals all the time, too. So it's, it's he's just doing everything right now. Duh, okay. I, I don't know. I feel like I'd, I – if if Real wins, I'd probably definitely give it to Benzema, at least in my opinion. But again, they, 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 wins, wrapped up, they wrapped up La Liga already, right? Pretty much. They Basically. can win it. They can win it this weekend, essentially. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, I mean, yeah, if they get those two plus a 40, 40 plus goal season, I, I I find it hard to believe them not getting it. Um, but yeah, I think you guys hit it right in the nail nail right in the head with the um your guys' examination of just the tie and stuff. Um the only thing I'd probably add to that is like Real. I feel like they, I don't want to say they have a leg up going into there because they're obviously down one, but like going, going the home, you have those away goals. I feel like you have a very good advantage going forward. You, you took Man City's probably best shot and you mm-hmm. survived. Mm-hmm. I would, I don't want to say I'm favoring them for, for them to qualify, but they got to, they really got to fix that midfield though. Uh, they cannot, for the love of God, leave Casemiro out of that because yeah. they got, they got overran in the midfield. Like it was nobody's yeah. business. So Militao had a, a hard time back there too. He got, he got turned by Jesus on his line one time. Uh, he just, he was fighting for balls. I mean, the first city goal that went in was he stepped to the ball and didn't clear it. Um, yeah. He did not have a good night, which is unusual for him because he's, he's a top class center back, obviously. But mm-hmm. um, well, he was a top class center back. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> there might be a replacement in that back line, <laughs> unfortunately, but. Yeah, it, f- it felt like Man City played an amazing team game, whereas Real had a few stars just show up, have an individual brilliant, like a brilliant move, mm-hmm. like a moment mm-hmm. in order to get their goals. So mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes, though. 
Yeah. Um, the other leg we already mentioned a little bit: Liverpool two, uh, Villarreal nil. Honestly, Liverpool start to finish. I feel like they can pretty much control this one. Yeah, not much to to read into it. Um, I mean, Villarreal, there was maybe one or two chances they had prior to those goals, but once that first goal went in for Liverpool at Anfield, you knew it was pretty much game over at that point. Um, Villarreal probably didn't really have a shot in hell after that. So, yeah, a little bit of luck got it rolling, but once the floodgates open for Liverpool, they they don't seem to close. <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, they, they controlled 95% of that game. The press was working at its most efficient level as you could possibly want it to, you know. Um, too, too big of a mountain for Villarreal to climb back, unfortunately, at this point, I think. Um, their game plan was obviously go in there, but batten down the hatches and absorb the pressure and bring back even a 1-0 or, or a 0-0 back to, back to home soil. But I think 2-0 to go to home and expect to have to not only score two goals and play a little more open and fluid and to not let Liverpool – the best yeah. attacking team in the world score is it's I think too big of a task at this point in time. They pulled off a few shockers, but this, yeah, this one might be a little, a little far past, but again, wouldn't be surprised. They are a pretty solid team. Um, also just a little bit of news out of the champions league. Something that's been proposed recently. There's a new final four format that they're possibly wanting to implement. So basically kind of roundabout way would be, they have their quarterfinals matches. Then for the semifinals and finals, they're going to play it in the host city. So they're going to stay right in that city. Have the semifinals just say beginning of the week. Obviously, the winners move on. They play in the finals at the at the towards like the end, maybe this the next weekend or whatever it might be. What's your guys' take on that? No bueno. So also, sorry, there wouldn't be a semifinal two leg a home and away match. It'd just be one single match and then moves on. No, it's 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 stupid. I, I'm getting really kind of frustrated with the, the changes that UEFA are continuously implementing. I mean, I think this is the second or third change we've talked about in the last what four or five months regarding yeah. the champions league the first being you know the expanding it and the way they're doing the team selection and you know everything else but I, I think i think when you're talking about the biggest game in outside of the world cup final the champions league final is the second most wanted game to play for these teams right for any any player and to not have a two-legged affair in the semifinals doesn't make a lot of sense to me it takes the crowd atmosphere out of it going to a neutral venue for the semifinal yeah. legs and it doesn't allow these teams to prepare for the final. I mean, you know, you're, next week we're going to know who the, the, the Champions League final is, is going to be between. And it gives these teams three weeks to prepare tactically and you get the highest quality game possible. And I think this type of format where you're, you're looking at it over one week takes away from that, you know, especially in terms of tired legs. When the, when the season's over and done and dusted, there's still a week in between the rest of those. Like, that's not going to happen in this format, too. I, I think you're just decreasing the quality – uh, of the games moving forward, especially when you talk about UEFA wanting to increase the number of games, they cut down the number at the most important crucial stage. It just doesn't make sense to me. What I don't understand is how over the past, not even like this year, but the past couple years, right? The Champions League has delivered some iconic, iconic performances and yep. iconic games. Like you think about the PSG, the capitulation, yeah, versus Barcelona. You think about I'm just going to call it out. The Spurs, obviously, yeah, yeah. come back against Man City. You think about, obviously, the game yesterday, right, with um, Real Madrid and Man City. I mean, these are just phenomenal games. And to, like, think that you can make any changes that are better than what we're watching right now and the way that it's set up. I mean, obviously, think bolder, think bigger. But at a certain point, it's like, how do you not – how do you change something that's already so perfect the way it is? And I just don't know if they're thinking logically about that. Like, I, I – I don't know. It seems like they're adding games at the front half when you, you want to add teams and add games to the group stage where the level of competition is so much lower than at the top end of the bracket, that the last four, the last two, and those are the games you decide to cut out. If you're going to cut games, cut them from the group stage. Don't bring in all these extra teams. That doesn't make, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I, I'm watching. I don't see, I don't see a reason for it, why they should change it, to be honest. I'm with you guys as well. Um, Mike just laid it out perfect. In, in my opinion, like there, we've seen some epic, epic two leg ties. I there's no need for it. I, I don't. It's perfect. Just leave it. Yeah. That's it. End of story. It takes a little bit of the tactical, the tactical nuances out as well. Knowing that, like, it absolutely, it absolutely, we don't, we got absolutely this way, right? Yeah, it, because you wouldn't really see. Love. You wouldn't see like your Simeone or your Emery coming in and like trying to hold the hatch down because they know potentially like, hey, we have our ch better chance at home yeah. that we're going to play the game plan we know how to play. 
and you wouldn't get these fairy tale yeah. runs that happen, right? So I personally don't see a need for it because then you're just making it harder for those types yeah. of teams to advance and have those true amazing stories and just headlines that people love to follow. It's like you're cutting out some styles of play that teams are are built to perform at and only implementing, hey, you got one game, you got to go out there, we want a complete open game. And and some teams aren't set up like that. And I know people are going to say, oh, well, they should be, everyone should be attacking. And this, no, it, it shouldn't be that way. Teams so should if, you wondering who's, if you're wondering who's in support of these potential changes, you can kind of just guess the team names, mostly any big powerhouse European. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're wondering who's, who's in favor. Liverpool. <laughs> so. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on uh, over to the Europa League uh, and from the Premier League, West Ham is playing their first cup, uh, major cup semifinal since 2013-14 season. Um, hopefully goes a little bit better than them. Last time uh, they were in a tie <laughs> like that, they lost to Man City on aggregate 9-0 in the EFL Cup. Um, ironically, um, West Ham's last time playing was there, and then Moyes' last time managing was also on the other side of that leg where when he was managing Man U, and they lost to Sunderland. <laughs> which throwback name at this point, but um, so yeah, not, not good for, um, you know, record sake, but hopefully it goes a little better for him. Um, new man, new coach, Eric Tan, Ten Hang Hong. How you say it, guys? Ten Hog. Ten Hog. Hog. Ten Hog. Ten Hog. <laughs> I wasn't too far off on that. I'll give myself credit. A little power <laughs> um, he's, a, he's a new man, new coach. Honestly, in my opinion, I, I really do think he's, he's a very good appointment for them. Loves bringing in young players. I think we're going to see an absolute overhaul of the Man U squad this coming mm-hmm. summer. Do you think he or Pochettino should have been in that role? Pochettino. Uh, why? United are failing at an institutional level for the last decade or so. I, from a manager's perspective, especially. Look at the, look for the appointment, right? Sir Alex Ferguson himself. Yeah. Yeah, he, Sir Alex Ferguson himself picked his successor, handpicked him, failed. You went and got Jose Mourinho, the, the special one, failed. You went and got the guy who invented the Gagan press, so responsible for Liverpool's success, failing. It, it, Van it, Hall also. Yeah, Van it, Hall. yeah, I believe on all. It, it's, yeah, it's not a, it's not a manager issue. It's just a manager issue. It's a manager issue. It's a player issue. It's it's the board issue. It's a, it's an inherent poison that's running through this club at this moment in time. And United aren't Borussia Dortmund. They're not Ajax. They're not Sevilla. They're not going to be happy just promoting youth through these teams. They're one of the top five most profitable franchises in the world, and they want to spend that money, bring in these star players and do these things. And I don't know that Ten Hag is going to be that type of manager for them. I don't know if the fans are going to get behind that either. Obviously, you want to see youth get promoted. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I think Pochettino is a better choice for managing top-level talent the way he has throughout his entire career and also being a tacticianal master at the same time. I mean, yeah, just kind of naming some of their signings, right, that they really haven't really panned out. Van der Beek, I think it was about 35 mil. Well, that, now, now that might actually pan out. It might work <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> that was a long con. <laughs> <laughs> that was they, they knew in advance. They knew what was going on. Uh, but let's just say like he's one, right, 35 million. I would say, I don't want to say Ronaldo's not working out, but like also at the same time, he's basically leaving a one-year rental. So you paid a bunch of money for him, right? He didn't come on a free. No. He was like 35 or something, 30, 40 mil. No. I forget. Yeah, he, but, he um, cost money. You know, they're not making Champions League and they had him in the roster this whole year. So I wouldn't consider that. Don't forget um, about the king. Well, our, our favorite player, Harry Maguire, <laughs> uh, about 80 mil, give or take, right? Um, Lukaku didn't pan out for them as well. They might have wanted to. The list goes on and on. Alexi Sanchez, how much did they pay for him? A lot. Or is he alone? Uh, a lot. No, it wasn't a lot because he was running his contract down. It was like 30 mil only. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you hit it literally right on the head. 30 mil. Um, well done. So, I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, they, they've spent so much money. It feels like they've just, they're going through the same process over and over again. Like, new manager, overhaul the squad, new manager, overhaul the squad, and it's just not working. Yeah. It, to me, it's, I kind of I kind of compare this to Chelsea a little bit, right? They want to go out and get these big name players, and they're both turning over managers left and right for the most part. The difference being that when Chelsea buy players, they're who the manager would like to fit into his system, and they're spending the money, and the manager mm-hmm. turning over. United are going out and buying players because the board wants to name. You can yeah. look at Paul Pogba, for instance, and you you might not agree with me, and I I understand that, but for me, Pogba has not been a success at Man United. 
He's been injured how many times? He's not shown up how many times he's been catching the flag from fans. Yes, he's putting in dazzling performances here and there, but even that price tag, would you say is justified it without with being out of the Champions League for how long, not contributing as often as he should? No, he hasn't. So like even the big names that they're bringing in are, are a problem because they have no identity whatsoever. I mean, even Depay. Now yeah, there's a big Barca. difference between I, – I agree with you on Pogba 100%. There's a big difference between Pogba and Man U and Pogba playing for the French national team. Oh, yeah. Like, I take I would take that Pogba in a heartbeat. The mm-hmm. Man U one, not – no, I'm good. Thanks. See you later. He, would, yep. he, he wouldn't even start for Chelsea or, like, Arsenal. Don't think so. Tottenham. He'd probably start for Tottenham. Maybe. <laughs> he would definitely start for Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not Arsenal the way things are going, but Tottenham, yes. Yeah, regardless. I mean, the way I see it is if any manager can come in at this exact moment in time where shit's hitting the fan and they have a true opportunity to hit a reset button and do what they want to do, Ten Hag, if if they plan on sticking with him for the next three to five years, he's the guy. Like, straight up, he's a brilliant tactician. He's unbelievable. You give him the keys to the kingdom, he will probably bring you some level of success that you haven't seen in a while over the next two to three years, realistically. Yeah. Pochettino's more for, hey, we're going to, not to say they wouldn't let him have a say in you know, the signings and whatnot, but he's definitely more of the type of person where it's like, hey, this is what we got. Get the best out of these players. And if they don't plan on doing anything else with what they have, then Pochettino is who they should have brought in. So I think it shows a statement of intent from, to like obviously Ragnick's point in those press conferences, what they plan on doing, how they plan on operating and, you know, where they want to bring in and offload a bunch of players, which is why they went with Ten Hag. Yeah. I think down the line, this will probably be, be the better decision. But in the moment, I can understand why a lot of fans would have really wanted Pochettino as well, realistically. They're probably three saying that I'm like they're probably three years away from Champions League, right? You're gonna take you're gonna take this year, they're not gonna they're not gonna be in for next season. Mm. The upcoming season, they're gonna bring in a whole new roster, they're not gonna gel right away. More than likely, not gonna make top four. I would I would imagine. Could be wrong. So then you're looking at what two years then, and then the th- the following year, so it'd be Ten Hag's second year in charge. Yep. That to me, that'd be like their that'd be their top four push year. Yeah, I, I think his success is really going to depend on whether or not the United Board switch up their tone and back him instead of the players. When players play for their manager in the way they want and they give effort, you get performances like Spurs when Pochettino was was managing. You get you get performances like Barcelona and City and Bayern players when they they love and respect Pep and everything else like that. Obviously, on top of being great managers, but that that has to be the first thing that changes for me for for Eric Ten Hag to find any bit of joy there. I say they tra- they they find a way to bring back, they bring Desk over, have right back every Wan Basaka, and then also bring in Frankie Dijon, get like a two player trade, have mm-hmm. that like you have the three of them with uh, Van der Beek in there as well from all from the uh, original Ajax team. Whew. They're talking about that right now actually a Van der Beek swap. Um, I forget I forget with who like oh Rashford. That was rumored this week, which doesn't make any uh, sense. You, you mean uh, Dijon? Yeah, for Barcelona because they have Van der Beek. Frank, 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 okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. You, you said uh, Van der Beek. That's why I was. Oh, sorry, sorry. You're good. Uh, some other transfer news: Rudiger over to Real Madrid. Is that like absolutely confirmed? Like signed? I knew it was like rumor. It's Fabrizio Romano. Agreed. So basically, yeah. yes. Okay. So because of that official. Obviously, a massive hole for Chelsea at center back. They already have had issues, and he was by far their best one. This past summer, if everyone remembers, I think maybe even January too. I don't know if they were looking at him, but Jules Kondude uh, over yeah. in um, the Spanish league at Sevilla. More than likely, I think they're going to be shelling out 50 to 60 mil for him. I find it stupid. Not saying he's not a great player. I just find it stupid that you have Rudiger, who's proven, settled at the club, clearly knows how to play there. You don't need a transfer for it's, it's a massive, massive loss. Cannot yeah. be understated for Chelsea. You're losing him on a free. Then you're going out and paying 40, 50, 60 million for a center back. And then on top of that, you're going to have to pay him the same wage you were going to have to pay Rudiger to stay. Yeah, so I think the issue wasn't 60 mil. I think the issue wasn't the, the like being able to afford it or like the philosophy behind that. Chelsea have a very strict wage structure they try to adhere to, which is why they've been so profitable in their transfer business in recent years and i think that number would have broken the transfer would have broken the wage policy they have in place some rules are meant to be broken i agree let's fucking do it let's get them (laughs) (laughs) uh erling holland to city seems for our news reports at least pretty uh pretty pretty heavily linked yeah disgusting by the way scary is what that is (laughs) 
I I don't even want to contemplate what a world would look like with Erling Haaland at Manchester City. <laughs> I'm now just hoping that they win the Champions League. So Pep's like, my job's here is done, and he leaves at that point, and everything starts falling apart. <laughs> as a that's the only player. that's the only chance for the rest of the league yeah. at this point. That, that oh my god. As a football supporter, I'd love to see it because you're talking about a team that could potentially rival Barcelona back in the day. I mean, could you imagine that? Like him, Foden, and then Jack Grealish or. De Bruyne, Mara, just De Bruyne feeding them. That's not even. De Bruyne yeah. breaks the assist record if Holland goes there. Um, I'll call that now. Breaking week three. <laughs> <laughs> all right, give the guy a month. Four, four, four. Four, okay, all right, that's fair. Um, other transfer news we have. Um, Arsenal obviously looking for a striker. Striker uh, Jonathan Davy David mm-hmm. is a port- reportedly available for about $50 million. I also heard Victor Osherman over from Napoli is mm-hmm. possibly available as well, but he, I think he was more in the 70 range. I could be wrong on that number. They're linked with um, Gabriel Jesus as well. Out of those three, who do you think would be a better fit? Osherman. David. I think Jesus would be a great fit for them. Wow. I've never well, three way fucking split. split. Yeah. Damn. All right. Jesus, <laughs> pre- Jesus, Premier League proven. He's playing like he really doesn't want to be on Arsenal after he was linked. He started scoring a hell of a lot of goals. <laughs> so he still Don't has it. <laughs> he still has it. So he definitely hasn't lost his goal scoring touch, but also the way Mikel Arteta likes to play. I think not to say all those strikers don't press in their own types of way, but I think Jesus, given how used to the Man City press he is and the fact that he's a pep disciple via Arteta, I think it makes the most sense for them to go after Jesus and target him the way that he's been playing the record he's had in the Premier League so far and just the coaching tutelage. To be honest, transferring in league though, you're also going to be paying an extra fee on top of that, just because. Um, yeah. So if he, if if his price is going to be 50, 60 mil anyway, because of that, would you still go with Jesus or would you go with one of the other guys? Probably still go with Jesus. He's like what 24, 25 right now. Not to say the other guys aren't; they're still young, also. But I think you can, they probably could snap him up for thirty-five mil or something like that. I don't. I don't know. If, I think that's talking, probably his true value. I'm just saying when you when you when you're gonna buy someone from within the same league, top four yeah, rival. I, I get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. If, 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 if you're talking about best fit, I think it's probably Osiman. If you're talking about with the price tag involved, I would probably be with you, Steve, on, on, on David. I just like Osiman because he has more experience at the top level than a couple of these other guys, and he's definitely a bit more physical, strong paced, and he's still able to link the play, probably not as well as Jesus. Um to your point, Mike, but I I like him for his physicality. I, I think a lot of players, a lot of strikers get brought into this league that are one way or the other in terms of their mm-hmm. movement, like Roberto Firmino or bulky, like Romelu Lukaku. And I think Osman's a good fit in between that. I don't think David or Jesus are strong enough for that. Obviously, Jesus has proven, yes, but he's playing in a side that doesn't have a striker and he's not getting minutes. And that's worrying, regardless of the fact that City is so fluid already. And I understand that's probably why he's been out of the team. But, I mean, that has that says that says enough for me that Pep Guardiola goes, I have one number nine in Jesus, and I still don't want to play him for the most part until he hits a run of form. Fair. Tough, tough decisions. Um, let's move over to our Stars and Stripes section where we check out the United States men's national team players across the globe. Um, first up, got to go with Christian Pulisic. Super sub performance, 14 minutes and a, and a game winner. In the 90th minute for a massive three points for Chelsea in their top four push, this, or at least to hold on to the third spot as well. Um, I'm curious about your guys' opinion here and trying to be as least biased as possible, obviously being from the U.S. Do you guys think he's underrated? He is the second best goal and assist for Chelsea in the Premier this season, only behind Mason Mount. Yet English media scapegoats the hell out of him anytime Chelsea does something bad. Like if he's in the game and he doesn't perform. It could be, it could be one game like solo and then they're like all on top of him. But when he's in there, I, clearly things happen. I, I don't know. I I don't I don't think he's underrated. I, I think he's he's perfectly rated as as a as a guy who has the ability to perform at the highest level at times. But I think his inconsistency is a big concern, which doesn't keep him at that tier at all. So I, I understand why he is considered where he is. I also am surprised to hear that about this the goals and assists, but ultimately I don't also think he's a scapegoat. I think he doesn't. I think he doesn't show up for the majority of games. I think his goals and assists come in, in like one match where he'll put in a, you know, a goal, two goals and an assist or two assists and a goal or something. And then he won't be around anywhere to be found for three matches. I don't, did you see Thomas Tuchel's comments on him after that match actually? 
Uh, which ones? I, I, I did After the game winner against West Ham, he, Thomas Tuchel was asked why he's been left out of the squad. He's like, he's oh, basically kind of like scheduling and stuff. Yeah, he was like with the traveling with the U.S. internationals and everything else. But he did make a good point. He's like, Pulisic was in a really good run of form, and he kept Timo out of the side for a long period of time. And now Timo is an incredibly good run of form, which he is. And that means Timo is going to have to be playing. And the way that that team is set up, both those guys can't play when you have Mount in the, in, in the side or you have to play, you know, uh, Lukaku or, you know, what have you or, or Kai Havertz. So I understand why he's not in the team at this point. Yeah, I think it gets overlooked too. Like we obviously, he's like our golden boy, like, right, like from United States national team perspective. So we've like, he should be playing week in, week out, no matter like where he's at. Not necessarily. Like, I don't think people really, like when you're at any type of top club, like especially over in Europe, like I'm sorry, it's competitive. Like mm-hmm. if you if you don't show up for two games, you're on the bench next one. Like that's just how it is over there. Like yeah. you have to be putting performance to performance. And you're right, he's not the most consistent player, but when he is, he's a big game player by any means. Like if if any type of final semifinal, that dude shows up like nine yeah. times out of ten, like he's he's putting up something. Um, but yeah, like he's not going. He's not going to be goal, 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 assist, assist. Like it's just that's just not his play style. But you know, he, he, he can make a very big impact for a team. Yeah. I, I think if he does move on, which I actually think he might, depending on the other outgoings, like Hakim Ziyech is being toted as, as leaving as well from his team. I'd be surprised if he took a step backwards. Like I, I would, I what would, would you consider backwards? Like if I, I love Bruce Dortmund, that's my, that's my team in Germany. I love them to death, but I, Bruce Dortmund is a step backwards from Chelsea. Is he being linked to go back to Dortmund? No, no, no. I'm just saying in general. I'm just saying in general, if the transfer does <laughs> does materialize, I think he'd be moving to a team more like Inter Milan, like more of a level a level swap. Because Inter Milan is, you know, fighting for the Scudetto and is playing out of their, their minds. Um, but I don't see him moving up. Like you wouldn't see Real Madrid coming in for him or you wouldn't see Bayern Munich coming in for him, you know, or Man City, et cetera. So I, to me, that says, you know, says volumes. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I could not, don't be wrong. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I, 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 I don't know where he would actually go. I really don't. Yeah, it's just like when, when you're at this level and you're playing for clubs that are fighting for the winning the Champions League. There are a lot of players who are fantastic. The difference between them is the consistency, like that come in week in week out and can perform. And he's just not that guy, unfortunately. Um, whether it's injuries or whether it's maybe hitting a poor run of form, you know, here and there, but that you're right he's streaky and that's a, that's a concern for a lot of teams like i can't see like he wouldn't go to real madrid like a team like that he wouldn't go to like a barcelona or right? like and then if you're not going to those type of teams then you're going to let's just say i'm just going to go spain just in general on top of my head you're going to have to go to like a valencia Eunice moose is playing pretty well over there but are they necessarily like a step down mm-hmm. from chelsea probably like he'd, he'd more than likely be getting 90 minutes every every time out the pitch as long as he's healthy i could see him back at dortmund Possibly. Definitely on the MLS, though. Um, <laughs> moving on. Jordan P. Folk, another great game for him. 83 minutes played, two goals, and a man-in-match performance. This guy keeps on tearing it up over there. I, I can't believe – I don't see in the future one Mexico miss. Screwing up his chances, but again, I think you know we kind of hold him accountable for that as well. Should still be one of the go-to guys for a number nine spot moving forward. Do you guys disagree or agree? Agree. Agree. Great. Cool. Uh, DeAndre Yedlin actually been putting in a lot of performances on his recent transfer back to Inter-Miami. Um, 90 minutes played, one assist, 54 touches on the ball, two out of two successful dribbles, five clearances, and seven recoveries. I don't think he was man of the match this week, but I think he was the previous one as well. Um, so good for him. Listen, he's pretty much our, would you guys say our number two right back at this point behind desk? Yeah, he absolutely him needs home, to be in like. that team. Uh, he's yeah, now our from, most veteran player. Yeah, from an experience perspective and desk. Uh, is there any time frame on how long his injury is? Just He'll be back by the World Cup. That's, that's and, and, and it's basically the end of the season, mid, you know, end of May, probably early yeah. June. I, I could probably see him in there for the friendlies. I think they start in June, right? Yeah. Around that time frame. Not, not but, yeah, so I, I, I think, at least from what Barcelona told us, he, he should be back by then. Um, a name I don't know if you guys are too familiar with or not, uh, Haji Wright. He has 89 minutes played, one goal in his last match, fourth straight game that he scored. Five five goals in his last four games. So, for anyone that might be unfamiliar with this guy, he's an amazing, amazing player at the youth national team levels. So, when he was a U17, um, I believe, 
he scored some ridiculous amount of goals for us. Do you think with our trouble at the number nine position, is anybody worthy of a call at this point? Uh, potentially, as Greg has always said, form is king, right? Unless you're John Brooks. So that's the asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> so, <Who went> there? <laughs> um, yeah, you should have a call up. Him, Cameron Carter, Vickers, you know, there are certain names that I would like to see in that friendly or those friendlies, but it's been pretty widely reported already that obviously they're going to be sticking with the majority of the team they want to bring to the world cup, which makes sense to just build on chemistry. So I'd like to see one or two of those names, but I don't know if he'll sneak into a camp or maybe sneaks into a camp, but he doesn't make the final cut. Let's just say that. So I just looked up rights, uh goal tally for the U 17s, 34 appearances, 27 goals. U 17 is a lot different against playing 28 year old men. I am fully aware of that, but I'm just saying like go throughout the years. Like he's at, he's at that point now too, that that was back from 2013 to 2015. So you're talking, he's 24 now, nine years ago, he was playing U 17 at 15. Yeah. I I don't know. I I think I'm with Mike on this one. I I think it's worth giving him a look in for the friendlies and seeing how I could perform at, you know, some, you know, the next higher level. But ultimately speaking, I'm, I, I would have to agree with Greg if he left him out, just saying from a perspective of you know what you're going to get with, with P-Folk. You know what you're going to get with um, Pepe. And even Ferreira has been putting in strong performances. He hasn't been finished, found his finishing touch, which is obviously a concern. But I don't think the three of those guys have looked poor enough to be left out of a World Cup for a young guy at this, at this stage. Um, I think he's definitely one to keep your eye on, but it would be tough for me to justify bringing him in barring like an injury, God forbid. Unless anybody, in my opinion, starts really lighting the world on fire, I don't think you're going to see too much of a change in any yeah. lineup or any roster, to be frank. Especially this late in the season and beginning stages of the next season when you pretty much have it set. Yeah, Fair enough. yeah, and it's also an off year being that it's in, this, in the winter. So where, after these summer friendlies, I feel like you pretty much have, you have your, your 23 in mind. Yeah. Um, Kellen Acosta, 90 minutes played, one goal, 48 passes completed, which is the most of the match, six recoveries and two clearances. Good performance by him. Again, probably our backup number six behind Adams right there. So we definitely need him in form. Uh, uh, probably, the year. definitely. 100%. He has to be. Okay. Mike confirmed it. Yeah. <laughs> two yeah, friendlies that are stepping the United States, uh, Uruguay and Morocco, uh, both confirmed for the, before the World Cup this summer. Not bad. Uruguay's in the World Cup. Um, Morocco is not, to my knowledge, right? No, I believe they are. Are they? Pretty positive. I think so. We have to look but, that one up. Yeah, regardless, one Mike checks that out. Um, I think those are two good friendlies to have. I mean, you're not playing against Argentinas and Brazils where you're going to overrun. You're going you're gonna to be able to play against these teams right now. Um, Uruguay, no disrespect to Morocco, is a stronger of the two opponents, so you're probably going to put out a stronger force lineup against them and, and seeing you know, kind of a tune-up for those you know, the guys in mind that are are initial starters and then Morocco, you're probably going to make a couple little tweaks here and there for a couple of maybe your second string players who, who can get a look in and see how they perform. So I I actually, I I like the, I like the friendly choice here. Yeah, they are in the world cup there. Okay. Then Then moving on, just a couple of woes that we had. Obviously, we already mentioned Dest, hamstring injury. Just another person. We have him, Reina are out, um, McKenny with the broken foot. I mean, the list goes on and on for us right now. So I don't even know if we're going to have our full squad for these upcoming friendlies. Hopefully, they are all healthy by then because it would be nice to see us at some type of full-strength squad and like kind of you know give us an idea of what we're looking for you know, come the wintertime. Um, here's one thing I, I, I always thought. I wasn't a big fan of Pepe's move to Augsburg. I thought there was plenty of other good locations he could have went in clubs. Right now, 10 appearances for the league. To my knowledge, no goals. Yeah, and they paid a lot of money for him too to score goals to not be in a relegation scrap. Well, record fee. Yeah. So I have to say, so far, it's definitely a flop, unfortunately. Um, I think he's still young enough where he obviously he can pull himself out of it. He's obviously running out of time this season and the move is in the transfer to a whole new country, a whole new culture. It's probably a little bit of a shell shock for him, I would assume. So I don't want to yeah, hold that against him. Yeah, I don't want to hold that against him, but um, hopefully by the start of next season, I mean, I think that's probably where you can really judge him best. It would, I would do a great deal of confidence for him if he gets a single goal before the season ends, but 
Yeah, I, I think you should have learned from Josh Sargent's mistake going to a club Just where about to say that. they're not score they're not going to score goals because they're not built to score goals. I mean, the, the quality isn't there, Frank. To be frank, and um, I, you can bring in Ronaldo to an Augsburg, or well, maybe that's a bad example because that because no, he, 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 he but yeah, <laughs> he'd buy score goals. But you yeah, get I mean, you he, get he my might point. Like when the when the team isn't the, the team's not expansive, they're not going to look for goals most of the time because the quality is usually not there. He's not going to get a lot of chances to begin with, um, which is obviously a problem for a striker because then you, you go a game. You, if you get one chance in a game and you don't convert it, that takes a knock to your confidence. But if you play for a team that that gives you five, six, seven chances, that's where you, you find one. And that one time, even if you miss the other five, it, it does a lot for your confidence. Hey, I got a goal. And that's just not happening. I mean, it looks like they'll still stay in potentially the um, the Bundesliga this year. So that'd be great. Bundesliga is weird though, isn't it? The pot, the bottom two get relegated, and the third pl- the third from bottom goes to yep. the playoff, right? Yeah. So they're they're at thirty five points, and Stuttgart, who's in that spot, is at twenty eight. So I'd say they're probably they're probably okay. So and there's only thirty eight games in the um thirty six games 36. in the um thirty four games. Yeah. So there's only three games left. So I, I technically. I mean, realistically, they get like one point, and they're pretty much safe. Yeah. Well, we hope he tears it up the following year then. Uh, moving on, just do some weekly recaps of uh, the past Premier League fixtures that we saw. Uh, Man U, or Arsenal 3-1 over Man U. 0-0 for Leicester and Villa. Man City 5-1 over Watford. Norwich 0, Newcastle 3. Is Newcastle top, uh, top half of the table now? They are. They are cruising. Cruising. <laughs> It's crazy what money can do. Ooh, new. Especially where it comes from. Uh, moving on, Brentford nil, Spurs nil, Chelsea 1-0 over West Ham after a pool city goal that we mentioned. Uh, Brighton 2, Southampton 2, Burnley 1-0 over Wolves. We'll get to that result in a little bit. Liverpool 2-0 uh, over Everton in the uh, Merseyside Derby. Interesting kind of takeaway there is there was a penalty. We can kind of talk about that in a little bit that uh, wasn't called. And then Palace nil, Leeds nil, another big, big point for Leeds at the bottom of the table. Um, top four race, what are you guys feeling right now? Um, Chelsea, after those three points over West Ham, feels to me that they're pretty much secured in that top three. Yep. Um, if not, definitely top four in general. The top four race, really, I feel like just comes down to Arsenal and Tottenham at this point. I feel like they've separated themselves from the pack. Yeah, I feel like it's a matter of who wants it the least, to be frank. <laughs> <laughs> um, it seems like at every opportunity, like when one team has a chance to go ahead, they go, nah, you know what, you take it. Nah, you take it. And this week was Arsenal's turn to take it. And now they're sitting two points ahead of Spurs. But ultimately, I'm sure as everybody knows at this point, it's going to come down to the North London Derby. Um, unless the teams start dropping more points, Arsenal definitely have the tougher run-in of games still to go. Um, not to say Spurs don't have to play Liverpool, but um, the North London Derby is going to be the make-or-break moment for those teams. So whoever wins that game, you can probably say confidently is coming out in the Champions League spot. So right now, Arsenal's to lose given the yep. points and the way that they're kind of sitting. So Spurs had their chance and they fucked it up. It's tough to say who I, I think the top three is set in stone for the most part now at this point, um, especially considering I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Chelsea have a game in hand over Arsenal and Tottenham, which is wild considering how long both those teams had games in hand, like two plus games in hand. Yeah. I, yeah, you're right. It's going to come down to whoever wants North London Derby, obviously. And, and it just depends on which team decides which version of themselves is going to show up Jekyll or Hyde, you know? Do you think that the top four is officially gone for United being six points back of Arsenal having played an extra game and four points back of Tottenham having played an extra game? The only I mean, reason I'll say no is because Arsenal and Tottenham have to play each other, meaning it could be a draw. Neither team picks up points and man, you can get a win, grab a win and only be one point out or one, one match week out. So theoretically, no way they're playing and the way Tottenham and Arsenal look, I would, I would, yeah, I would say they're done. I mean, they had an opportunity to close ground and play Arsenal, and they just totally shit the bed. So three of the last four losses. I know they they have been shitting the bed. In the only wins over Norwich with the Ronaldo Hatrick, so barely, by the way. So I mean, I I really do think that team is just devoid of any confidence at this point. So no I, identity. I, I, I don't see them making a push to get to that level unless Christian Ronaldo literally carries that team on his back, which, which I don't is possible. Know. It's possible, but I don't know if he's going to have the legs to do that over that stretch. Listen to this. Wolves are at 49 points, right? And they have a game in hand. If Wolves were to win that game, 
That means West Ham and Wolves are only two points behind Manchester United on the same level of games played. One slip by United and then wins from those teams pushes United out of any form of European football. Also very possible. There's a point, there's a chance it's a (laughs) two-point race between those three to even get to a final spot in Europe. And Wolves have been slipping a lot lately, too. They've yeah, they're also three of the last four losses. So, it will be interesting to see that. Um, you have the top, you have the fourth spot, and then, like Vito just mentioned, the European competition just in general for Europa League and then uh, European Conference. It would be cool, really cool to see Wolves at least kind of squeak out well, that seventh spot. You have to also consider, too, if West Ham are out of it in the race, how far do they go in that Europa League, right? If they can make a run. Oh, actually, God, they win that. We get a fifth, God forbid. Uh, the yeah. fifth spot, right? So yeah. if they get a fifth, does that take away a spot from any of the other competitions? No, or because anymore? they're outside of the top four. Yeah. So they would just add it into the top four at this point. Interesting. Basically. Unless City, no, that's not true, though, because if City or Liverpool, who are expected to get to the final, that means guaranteed one of them win, which means it opens up a fifth spot on top of that. So you can't have more than five teams from that league that's in. So if – Oh, then the other way, then yeah, Wolves would be in at that point. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you can't have more than five teams in the Premier League in. So if the Premier League clubs wins the Champions League, then whoever's in fifth place goes into the Champions League, I believe, in that in that league. So if Wolves, if, if West Ham don't win the Europa League, then fifth place would go to the Champions League, possibly. I believe that's how it works. I don't think so. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> No, that, that how that works. You can't have more than five teams from a domestic league in the Champions League. No, I understand that. I would I would just think the only way that you get the fifth one is if they win the Europa League and they weren't in the top four. Well, yeah, if they win the Europa League, then they're automatically in. But if they don't, if let's say uh, West Ham don't win the Europa League, and then either City or Liverpool are in the final, that means the fifth place in the Premier League opens up, which means Arsenal and Spurs could both potentially get in. Why? Because that takes that matters. The Champions League guarantees they automatically get on next spot. Yeah, but if they're already qualified through the domestic competition, it opens up another one. I thought they just counted it regardless. Don't know. Don't have that in front of me. That's a that's a Twitter follow up right there. That's what that is. (laughs) That might have to be. Um, Relegation race. Obviously, we got Norwich at the bottom there. Watford as well pretty much guaranteed at this point. I don't think it's official, but obviously you've been saying that for weeks at this point. Regardless, we do have an interesting kind of scenario at the bottom, though. Leeds, 33 matches played, 34 points. Burnley, 33 matches played, 31 points. So sitting uh, one win back of them. Everton, 32 games played, so one game in hand, 29 points. A win puts them in over Burnley currently if they were to. Bro, Everton can get relegated. It's, it is like... The very sad very day. It's going to be a sad day when it happens because it seems more and more likely. You let How Burnley, have they been the, top the team that you should never like get above you, you let get above you. Not to say Burnley doesn't deserve it, obviously, because they did. They did, the table never lies at the end of the season. But I mean, listen, they just I had mean, two massive wins right, right in a row. I, I mean, I, I don't get it. Like, I don't know what's going through Everton. Speaking of plagues and speaking of bad voodoo and hoodoo and everything happening in that at a club and a <laughs> And a team overall. Good God. What are they doing? Like, do they not realize what they're playing for? Yeah, I don't get it. They need that Ted Lasso episode where like they, they all go around like the uh the bonfire, like the burning uh the barrel and they tell yeah. their stories and they throw something in there. I think that's what they need right now. You, said that, like, you gotta get Jason Sudeikis over there. Yeah. Burn, I mean, burn whatever you have to at this point. I, you guys think all right, so their game in hand, they're only one point ahead of Burnley. So What's your take on Leeds? Do we think they're definitely through? Because there's still a chance for even a massive slip up from them. I don't foresee. I it. I, I don't foresee it at this point. I think mentally they're in a good spot, and I think it'll push them through to the end of the season. Um, Their next three games: though, City, Arsenal, Chelsea. That's a shitty running. I'm not saying it isn't, but do I think any of the teams below them are going to have the opportunity to catch them? I don't know. It's going to come down to two matches. They play Brentford and Brighton to end the season, which which can and should be wins. And Everton have to play a similar tough lineup in Chelsea and Arsenal as well. 
and Leicester, but they also have to, Everton also have to play Watford and Brentford, which would be two wins. So if you talk about those canceling out, then you know maybe because Palace certainly ain't going to be a walk walk in the park. I, I think it's going to end up they're going to have similar former results because they got similar tough opponents, and it's going to it really just might end the way it looks now. I think Burnley has the easiest run in, right? They got Watford, Villa twice, Newcastle end of the season. Who by that point they're literally probably they're literally playing for nothing, and then you have Tottenham thrown in there too. It's. Yeah. I wouldn't even be shocked if Burnley finished above Leeds. Ooh, that's bold. Possible. That's bold. I mean, look at the way they're playing though right now. They just took down Wolves one 0 Southampton two 0 Like they're shutting people out, doing their thing, and they're also scoring now, which was like obviously their biggest thing they could do for the first twenty five games of the season. They're hitting form right when they need to. <laughs> right when they usually do. Right. Perfect. All as Sean Dyche planned. He's very he's very proud right now. He he thought he was in the plan, but he wasn't. It's unfortunate, but he's very he's, he's smiling somewhere in uh you know that back office. I love the Premier League. Game, what's up? I love the Premier League. Thirty three games into a thirty eight game season, and you don't know who's going to be in the title race, who's going to win the title, who's going to finish the top four, or who's going to get relegated. Yeah, who's even in the league next year? Like we don't even know. <laughs> yeah, Newcastle might win it next year. So <laughs> it's very possible. European dark horses. Um, preview for the matches this coming week. We got Man U and Chelsea uh, coming out tomorrow. I, I guess as in today is when this podcast is released for a Thursday match. Then heading over to the weekend, Newcastle hosting Liverpool, Villa hosting Norwich, Southampton hosting Crystal Palace, Watford versus Burnley, um, Wolves versus Brighton, Leeds versus Man City, Everton versus Chelsea, Spurs versus Leicester, West Ham versus Arsenal, and Man U versus Brentford. Any of these really stand out for you, boys? West, the- West Ham Arsenal game to me because you still have a West Ham team where they're they're a little bit behind. They're obviously still in Europe, but that's a game, a, a London derby in a sense. They're still going to want to show out. You're going to want to fight for that. Um, I think it'll be pretty interesting to watch that game in particular. It'll be a good matchup. Vito? Yeah. Um, I actually think Spurs versus Leicester is going to be a big match. I see that as a trap game for Spurs. Leicester have the ability to beat anyone on their day, and Spurs desperately need to win that game game to keep place, obviously keep pace with Arsenal. So two tough games for both of those North London, London clubs chasing that fourth spot. Um, so th- those are my, my two to watch in terms of how that's going to shape up. I ultimately think that both North London clubs are going to get the points that they're looking for, but it's the Premier League, so you never know. So we didn't, I didn't bring this up before. I actually completely forgot for the uh, news and notes. Um, Pochettino, obviously, he's basically gone at PSG. I don't know if it's official or not, but they pretty much are like, you're gone. Um, Antonio Conte, not the happiest, and PSG reportedly rumored to be trying to get Conte. Mm. You think a potential Poch back to Spurs would be on the table? Um, so I'm going to squash that right now, not because I don't agree with you down the line it should happen and could happen but because Conte and his I guess you could say um, group of people his close to him came out and said there was a bunch of bullshit like those those rumors so they pretty much squashed it already that being said hypothetically if it did happen I'd be very very pissed Uh, I think you got to back Conte where he's at where the squad's at they need somebody like an asshole pushing them in his in their ears making them better um as much as I love thinking about what Pochettino did with the, t- t- the squad he had, I don't think, I think if you give him that team, you're basically hitting the red button, blowing everything up. Same type of thing with Manchester United. Like that's like a four year, five year thing you're doing. Whereas Conte, like you're looking, looking to at least get a single trophy within the next year doing something. Yeah. So. I also think that would be a terrible move for Conte. You go to a club like PSG, he's not gonna be able to play his style. I actually think exactly. that is the perfect club for him because Traditionally speaking, Antonio Conte has never asked for incredibly expensive players outside of, I think, when he asked Romelu Lukaku when he was at Chelsea. I mean, the guy went out and bought Marcus Alonso, who's the worst left back in the world. And worst <laughs> left wing back, though. Left wing back. He's a great left wing back. Like, Conte likes to get his players. He doesn't care about the names. He doesn't care about the status. He cares about players that are going to come in and play his style, and he wouldn't get that at, at PSG, which is why I think he shut that down. But no, I, I think if it was if, if you're Spurs and you have that option, I think you stick with Conte as well. I don't think you go back for Poch at this point. Also, you think Daniel Levy is hard to deal with? Did you deal with the PSG board trying to tell you what to do at all every right. fucking turn? Hell no. That, that, that relationship Conte, wouldn't work out at all. 
They're probably Conte's idiot. record in Europe's not that good either, is it? It's not. Uh, I, it's not at all. And they want someone to win the Champions League, not to win titles at PSG, like for in the front in the Liga. Well, to so, be fair, you could put out your B team if you're PSG at this point and win Liga. I wouldn't say that. I mean, the league's getting better, so. Lille said, year, I'll give you that. Lille give him a big F you actually. So <laughs> it's gotten not better. this year, unfortunately. Um, yeah, the only other match I would like to see, um, as weird as it might sound, Watford and Burnley just for the relegation battle itself. If Burnley can whip off three straight victories right now and grab nine points out of nine, Everton loses to Chelsea. Four point gap, even with the game in hand, starts to get very, very tough with four matches left. Or three, yeah. yeah, three or four. Not only that, we keep we keep talking about Everton Burnley fighting for that spot, but if Watford come away with those three points, it brings the gap down to six points between them and Burnley with four games left. So two wins. Did you imagine You're reaching now? Watford, like, I'm yeah. definitely reaching. I, I have, look, I was reaching. <laughs> remember, I said I was reaching when Newcastle would finish fifteenth. Now they're in ninth. Granted, I, don't, I still think that blew me out of the water. <laughs> I think that blew a lot of people out of the water, given where they were in the beginning of this year. Yeah, well. Watford's last four matches after this one um, with Burnley. Crystal Palace, winnable. Um, you know, although Palace is... Yeah, but they're in a slump right now, Palace. They are, definitely are. Um, Watford plays Everton, plays a Leicester team who is Jekyll and Hyde, and then they, and they would unfortunately end the uh, campaign with Chelsea, but at that point, Chelsea might have nothing to play for. Might put out a B squad for you, you never know. Yep. <laughs> I'm reaching with you just for some fun. Like, yeah, I, I, it, make it make it interesting. Come on now, Watford. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that'd be my only other match I'd love to see just because obviously with Burnley right there, that could easily create a, create a kind of a, ma- a a gap that I don't think everything can come back from at that point mm-hmm. if results fall the wrong way. So any other final uh, thoughts, though, boys? Just sad that we're already like – five games from the end of the season. I remember when we started at the beginning of the season and we were picking top four. First of all, nothing panned out. Never does, <laughs> right? But <laughs> I, I'm I don't not... know. We weren't far off. The only, no, the only we weren't we we far off. Four, I had Man U. Was Man U. Very, we all had Man U in there, I think. Yeah. yeah, that was our biggest our biggest. And, that was, and that was the Ronaldo transfer. That's the only reason why we had them in there. Yeah. And we didn't know Rom- Romelu Lukaku was coming in at that point. But um I, I, I just can't wait to see these last couple of weeks. I mean, we're, we have so many good games and so many good races going on. It's just going to be great. Do you guys remember you took for relegation? I know I, I had, I definitely had Watford in there. Norwich, I think I had out. I think I had Watford, Southampton after Ings left. I forget who I was my third. I might have had Norwich down there, actually. I don't know. Yeah, I had Watford, Norwich, and I believe Brentford. I think that's probably what i had i have it written down i can check for next week we should yeah definitely uh, bring that up i'm kind of curious to see where we're at our prediction wise yeah definitely that... <laughs> anything else fellas that's all i got my man Nada. all righty i'll do it for this episode of the sunday league screamers podcast like comment hit the bell subscribe to us on youtube itunes spotify and wherever else you find your podcast also give us a follow on twitter at the sl screamers underscore pod for daily tweets about the show world football united states national team and the premier league i'm your host steve with mike and Vito signing off <laughs>